1: Good evening, and welcome to Morph Mom Moments. We're back from a little hiatus, so thank you all for those who are returning, for coming back, and those who are new tonight. Thank you all for joining us. I promise you, you're in for an hour of amazing radio with my amazing guests. Um, Really, really a wonderful evening. Um, Before I introduce them, and I'm going to keep you on the edge of your seats, I just want to quickly explain what Morph Mom is for those of you who are new to this. Uh, My name is Kathleen Smith. I founded Morph Mom four years ago. It's m o r p h m o m dot com. Um, I was an attorney eons and decades and decades ago. I stopped with kids. Tried to go back. They didn't want me back. Had to figure out what to do. So rather than, <laughs> which was <laughs> really tragic, and we're going to discuss that with my guests as this comes along. When I needed those sixes, um, I really was at <laughs> a standstill. I was, you know, you lose your confidence. You lose your sort of your wherewithal, where do you begin, who are you? And I thought, wait a minute, rather than reinventing the wheel, why don't I just go out and speak to the women who have done it? The women who went out and figured out how to do what they did, made the mistakes, learned from them, figured out the steps that were necessary, and in turn, wanted to pay it forward. And not surprisingly, they're everywhere. Women are so kind and wanna share their stories, so I grabbed a video camera, I began the website, and I traveled across country, And four years later, I have over 600 videos of women all over the country telling their stories, sharing the steps that they took, what things worked, what didn't work, promoting what they're doing at the same time, paying it forward to others looking to do the same thing. I also write for Huffington Post. I have a column that describes these amazing stories. I host cocktail parties around the country where we celebrate various Morph Moms, what they're doing, uh, charities that they support. Um, You name it, I'll do it as long as it's in line with the... It, with the Morph Mom movement and uh, what we're trying to accomplish, which is with connecting women and, and really there as a resource and a support system. Um, and now we we have classes, which are so exciting. And if you go on to MorphMom.com, in the next day or so, it's all going to be up listing what the classes are, when they are, in what cities, and when we're coming to a city near you. And now we have this radio show, which is so much fun. And I'm so excited to be back tonight. And, um, I'm sure all of you out there are so excited to hear from my guests and not me. And <laughs> so without further ado, uh, let me move on from myself. Um, I am absolutely thrilled and honored to be sitting here. Well, not technically sitting here. <laughs> we have, we have two phone calls coming in right now at the same time. Um, but thrilled in, in, in theory, to be sitting next to two women that I'm completely enamored of, uh, enamored of and are just absolute inspirations to all of us. My guests tonight are the co-authors of Becoming Brilliant, What Science Tells Us About Raising Successful Children. And who better to instruct us on how to become brilliant than my two brilliant guests who were here tonight. <laughs> Was that a good introduction? <laughs> I'm, already,
2: I'm already loving this question. Like, I want
1: to be a morph mom. <laughs> you are a morph mom. <laughs>
2: You both me are. Too. All right,
1: all right. Welcome to the Morph Mom community. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
2: you for letting me be a part of it. It's awesome. See, it's such a happy place, even on
1: the phone, even virtually. <laughs> it's very happy. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And um, and I, I apologize, but I hope you both are hearing each other well, and I just had to say yeah, this on the radio <laughs> just to make we're sure. We're good, we're yep. good. Yeah. Perfect. Um, it's very casual, the Morph Mom Moments radio show, <laughs> as you can tell. Um, So once again, my two brilliant Morph Moms who are here tonight, Roberta Golinkoff and Kathy Hirsch-Pasek. As I said, it's an absolute honor to have you both on tonight. And as I mentioned, they're the co-authors of this book that is absolutely life-changing. It really is. And no matter what process you are in, either you children are grown, you're in the middle of raising them, you're about to have them. It's thought-provoking. Like, every single sentence I was hanging on thinking, did I do that wrong? Did I do that? Wait, what did <laughs> <No>. I do? <laughs> Hold on. I'm sure you, you did it. I'm did sure it right. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. But I learned a lot. Um, and I don't want to misspeak about anything, but, but actually, I was going to introduce you, but I think actually a better way would be to ask each of you to sort of give you know, a basic introduction about yourselves and um, what it is you did, what you're doing now currently, and how you came to do this together. And I guess, um, Roberta. Well, I guess we could start sure. with you. Sure. So Kathy
0: and I have only been collaborating over thirty years, which is amazing as it a long is. Marriage. It's kind a long of marriage. like a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we've been. This is not our first go round with books because we're very committed to bringing the science out to help children and families. We want to make people's lives better from what we know about the science. We don't want to keep it in the ivory tower away from the people who fund it. After all, it's your tax dollars that gives us the dough to be able to do the research we do. <laughs> so I'm a professor at the University of Delaware and mother of two children, neither of whom is living home. Yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs>
1: A very successful Morph Mom. <laughs> that? That's right.
0: Yeah, for real.
2: Um, so uh, I'm Kathy Hirsch-Pasic, and I'm the one who's been uh, married to Roberta for 37 years. <laughs> uh, also been married to Jeff for 41 years, so we're still going strong with a great guy, and we have these three wonderful sons who also grew up and got out of the house and are doing awesome stuff and, and living their dreams. So that's really, I think, the first job, and uh, second is I work as a professor of Psychology at Temple University, and also I'm a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution. And the reason we wrote the book is because we really kind of know a lot about kids. We've been studying kids for a long time and it does seem a shame that a lot of the tricks and a lot of the wonderful information always seems to get cloistered in journal articles that are completely unreadable. So Roberta and I made a commitment to share and that sharing has created what we are calling edible science. Science that's accessible, digestible, and usable, and we want to share it with all the other morph moms out there, uh, right. so that they can they can be the best parents that they can be, and also help
1: create the most wonderful environments for their wonderful kids. It, it's so necessary. I add,
0: <clears throat> might I add a little more? Of course, go for it. <laughs> okay, so I just want to say. This is really not a a typical parenting book. It's not going to tell you, like, when to toilet train Sally or what time to put Johnny to bed. What we really wanted to do. to increase the content that children know Um, for example uh, Kathy found a product that you're supposed to insert in a tampon when you're pregnant that has a Crazy about what's going on in their children's school. Okay, so, Roberta, I have a question for you. So, are you trying to tell me that I shouldn't judge my kid
1: totally by the score they get on a bubble <laughs> test? Absolutely not. That that is, that's, that's the whole idea. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for beginning the show with just that. <laughs> oh. all right, we could so, just go well, back and forth all night, Kathleen. That is my music to my ears because I, ha- I have one child in college. But I have an incoming senior, and it's all beginning. Oh, oh, oh wow. That's hard. Just that's hearing hard, yeah. that is, is amazing, and everyone needs to hear that.
2: Yeah. so I, and and, so and, so I'll, I want to run something by you, Kathleen, sure. to see what you think. So here's what Roberta and I did. We went back to all the scientific data, and we said, okay, what what really is success? You know, because it's probably not just how you do on a bubble test. And I think parents are pretty thrown by it and the educational toy industry and the educational app industry. And, oh, my gosh, we're just flooded with the stuff that we're supposed to do to make our kids geniuses. But but instead we kind of redefine success this way and see, see what you think about it, and then we can, uh, we can tell you what we did to, uh, to try to achieve that success that we thought it would be about supporting children to be, here it comes, drum roll please, happy, healthy, thinking, caring, and social people who will become collaborative, creative, competent, and responsible citizens tomorrow. That's
0: the kind of kid I wanted. Right.
1: Absolutely. And-
0: We have to admit that we stole some of this from our neighbors to the north. Canada really gets it, and they have a really good educational system. Of course, we credit them. So we we adapted what they said they wanted for Canadian kids. And we want the same thing for American kids, especially because nobody's talking about having children learn the skills that will not only help them, in their careers, but also help them to become members of a community, to have good interpersonal relationships, so the skills we talk about really can make a difference for children's lives. All right, Roberta, you're blowing me away. Like, I want to have kids who do that, but what are the skills? So, Kathleen, is this a good time to tell
1: you what our six C's are? I'm on the edge of my seat, yes! (laughs) And all of my <laughs> listeners are, too. And everybody should be get a pen and paper in hand and write this down. All right. Okay. Me, but, uh, I want my kids to be brilliant. Oh, wait. Before and back up, write it down, but buy the I book. <laughs> write it down, but actually buy the book, becoming brilliant first. <laughs> yes, yes, yes.
2: Absolutely. Buy the book. Here yeah, it is. I, I have to tell you, before, while we're still sitting on the edge of our seat, we have not only assembled all of this scientifically grounded evidence but we managed to put a lot of it on one grid on one page that you actually can use and
0: understand I promise it's for morph moms too I mean it's not just for their kids because We can see what the skills are that we have and how we can work to improve ourselves just like we want to help our children grow these six Cs. Here we go. Drum roll. You ready? (laughs) Okay. So the first thing you have to know is we're developmental psychologists. So these six Cs come in a developmental order. So kids come into the world as social beings. The first thing that they do is engage in collaboration and then we talk in the collaboration chapter about how this changes over the course of children's lives. And we talk about adults in the business community as well.
2: Okay, so my kick to has to come in, Roberta, just for a
0: second, to say that it's
2: not just how you get along, but, but how you learn to respect other people and treat other people and build communities. It's like how you learn not to just you know,
0: knock Johnny off the swing when you want it, but to wait your turn. So it's all about developing strong language skills, being able to listen, and being able to make a persuasive argument. Remember, we're now collaborating with people we've never met in countries we've never visited. Collaboration's everywhere. Now, then you need to learn communication. Right. So you want to be able to talk to people uh, in a nice and respectful way while you're collaborating with them all over the world. This is the way the world is going. Then you're going to need content. No one is saying school is unimportant. You still have to learn reading, writing, science, history, math, the arts, all that stuff. But it's not just enough to know that kind of content. Children also need to know how to learn because they're going to change many jobs. So they Roberta, have to develop. Roberta, can, color, yes. can a color commentator come in again? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Just for a second. The
2: other thing as we're building this up for you, Content is itself based on communication. You can't learn about social studies if you didn't have the language to learn about it. And communication is itself built from the conversations you have when you're collaborating. So as Roberta goes through these steps from collaborating to communicating to content up toward critical thinking, remember that each thing is built on the other
0: like a staircase
2: that's going up.
0: And they all work together and they're malleable. So that means when we learn about them as morph moms and dads, we can help our children develop them.
1: And we need them ourselves as well.
0: That's exactly right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it may
2: be that you think you're, you know, not a great collaborator. If I can just take one example real quick, and then we'll go on to the other three Cs. I I remember wishing when my three sons were little that I was a better collaborator because I was, honest to God, giving myself high fives if I got out the door in the morning (laughs) and they all got to school. And, you know, we had the issue of, oh, I don't want to wear that, I don't want to eat this. And if I just had five minutes before they went to bed at night and picked out their clothes the night before, it would have been so much easier. So it's little things like that that we can pick up from looking at this grid to help really nurture these skills in us and and in our kids.
0: So, Kathy, are you telling me that we can achieve the six C's without buying expensive electronic devices and taking our kids to lessons? I am telling you that it is absolutely
2: free. But let's move on, because we've only done collaboration, communication, content.
0: How about critical thinking, Roberta? So, by one estimate... We encounter so much information in a single day that it's equivalent of what's in 174 newspapers. Let's imagine that. How (laughs) crazy is that?
1: That is insane.
0: Right? So unless we know how to sift through the information to find what we need to solve our problem, we're just going to sink into the information abyss. The next one is creative innovation. And, of course, this has to rest on critical thinking because when we we find the gaps – and what we know, then we can take that information and put it together in new ways. We have so many problems in our society, right? From climate change to social class inequities, if we're going to solve these problems, they don't have ready answers. We need creative innovation, and we might not succeed the first time. So we need children who have confidence, and what we mean by that is grit or persistence or a growth mindset that allows you to learn from your failures. So, unfortunately... Some parents, not morph moms, but some (laughs) parents can be categorized as (laughs) snowplow parents because they flatten obstacles for their kids and don't let their kids learn how to manage when they fail. But we think it's really important for children to gain lessons that they can figure out with their parents about what went wrong and why because that's how they're going to develop confidence so they keep going. And these things... I'm sorry, I was butting in as the caller commented. Oh, I was going to let you just let me finish the sentence. <laughs> These six work together to help us achieve the vision that we have for what we need for 21st century success. We care that kids become good people and also make contributions to our society through their work. Go ahead, Cass. Cool, okay, so now I want
2: you to sort of imagine, all these Morph moms out there imagine, that what we have now is a kind of grid that we're starting where you have collaboration, which builds up to communication, content, which also includes that learning to learn, critical thinking, sifting through the information, creative innovation, using it in new ways, and the confidence and persistence to make it happen. And we think if you put those together, and you put them in motion, you actually create a dynamic learning system. And that dynamic learning system can flow from your living room to the classroom to the supermarkets, where we can learn how to collaborate and communicate as we go through the aisles of the supermarket. But even more impressively, it goes back to whether we really want happy, healthy, thinking, caring, and social kids who are going to become collaborative, creative, competent, and responsible citizens tomorrow. And in becoming brilliant, what science tells us about how to raise successful kids, we lay out exactly what that could look like for everyone who wants to take a peek.
1: And you know what I think is so interesting is it takes a lot of the pressure off, because like you said, the snowplow yeah. parent or the helicopter parent, and you're spending right. every minute of every day trying to put out fires or anticipate the fire, put it out before they get there, right. when if you really went through this and sort of were there by their side, but allowed the kids to navigate and to manipulate and to sort of experience things on right. their own, right. you're setting yeah. them up for much much healthier life down the road. That's
0: exactly right, Kathleen. It's not like the parents play less of a role at all. We're not arguing at all that parents should back off and just let kids fall on their face. No, no, no. Parents still play a tremendous role with their kids, but now they talk to their kids a lot, right? And this is something that's going out the window because everybody can be together on their own electronic device. So if we can increase just how much we talk with our children and get their point of view and help them think through problems, we're going to create kids who can move from job to job, which is likely what's going to happen in the future.
2: Yeah, there's another piece to it, Kathleen, that it it also allows us to not all be exactly the same, either as parents or as kids you know really you're gonna have kids who are different i know in my family with three with three sons i had some who were really good in content and some who were great communicators but not such good collaborators and some who were great collaborators but they didn't like to talk that much and this gives you a license to be able to look at the strengths your children bring. And Gee, I don't know, Kathy. Where, My kids were we <laughs> yeah,
0: I know yours. where I must say
2: I was failing on that. No, but, you know, it, does, it allows people to be individuals and for us to really look at them as individuals and as parents to have more fun because we're not trying right. to create the cookie-cutter child.
1: Right. right. And it's fascinating when you do open those doors and see which direction they take and how different your kids are. Oh, my God, it's are.
2: so great. And, you know, for some parents right. out there, and I think it's another really important piece, is that some kid, some parents have atypically developing children, and those children have enormous strengths as well. And this allows us to see that and to parent for that.
0: Right. Right, because if all we emphasize, Kathleen, is content, and there are kids who, for whatever reasons, have difficulty in school, they're going to take a big hit to their self-esteem. Right. So... We want kids to recognize that there are six different areas in which they can excel. <coughs> Excuse me. The parents recognize that. Everybody's going to be happier and less stressed. We yeah. want to de-stress morph moms.
1: <laughs> you, I know one morph mom you've de-stressed, and you're talking to her right okay. now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's great, guys. But, you know, the, the other thing I do want to mention
2: is, look, what we're, what we're not saying and what we're not saying is that okay let's just say it's okay to never learn your multiplication tables or to never learn to read that that's not okay everybody still has to have a basic level of competency and an ability to think, or they can be replaced by robots in the future. So that's, again, why we want to get off of this narrow construal, but to recognize that, you know, everybody should be nice to the person next door. Everybody should have a certain basic level of communication, even if they don't turn out to be Shakespeare's. Everybody should know what they need to know in math, and what they need to know in literacy. But that isn't the only way in which you define a person. And I think as we broaden out this definition of what it means to succeed, we recognize that we're really looking a little bit more at a breadth of skills and that children need to acquire this breadth of skills as we move forward.
1: It it reminded me now, bear in mind, I was the worst law student in the entire world, but (laughs) decades ago, somehow, I got out of law school. And and while I was at law school, um, when you're there, they don't necessarily teach you the specific law as opposed to learning to think like a lawyer. You have That's the tools right. in your pocket. Yeah. And it right. sort of That's struck it. me that in a similar way, now focusing on a primary, secondary education children sort of preparing them with the tools to, to deal right, with right, all right. these different situations as opposed to spouting back information that they have memorized a thousand right. times and it's- Oh I love that. You get yeah, it, I get Kathleen You so good. <laughs> well Kathleen, you know what what's really interesting is that
2: if you look at the business what the business community says at once today, it, it's not just people who did brilliantly on their tests. It's also people who are critical thinkers and creative innovators. And in a sense, we are hearing from companies that they can't find enough people to hire because we've been training folks wrong in the high school system and in the middle school system. So somewhere we have to bring these ideas together and recognize that business is operating on a model that's a global society model. And and the schools just aren't quite there yet,
1: right? And how it does affect the future. Everything we're doing now. There were a couple things that I. I mean, I loved every single word in this entire book. And oh my for God, those thank of you, thank you, thank you. For those we're of you listening, have to hire you in some capacity <laughs> to help us. Can you come on every, every Thursday? <laughs> for those of you, well, just, maybe you'll hire us. <laughs> <laughs> I would love you to be on every Thursday night, please. <laughs> Um, For those of you joining us, um, uh, it's an honor, an absolute honor to be sitting here on Morph Mom Moments radio show with the two amazing co-authors of Becoming Brilliant, What Science Tells Us About Raising Successful Children. And you all need to go out, run, not walk to get this book. (laughs) 100% you need to run to get this book. Because it may say it's about raising children, but I have to tell you, I myself am thinking about so many things that I do on a daily basis and of the six Cs, how they apply to me and how I should be behaving towards other, or others or things that I should be thinking about as opposed to getting caught up in something so silly. And one of the thing, I mean, one of the things, there are a million things that I loved, was... Um, when you were ta- looking through the critical thinking, and I was thinking yeah. about how that plays into technology today, and everybody has a phone, everybody right. has an iPad, and people say, oh, don't text that, it'll come across the wrong way, because you're not communicating, you're just reading off of something, right. and, and I, you said something about you know, not all information is equal or true, and the importance of humor, and how what right. not necessarily people say or do is necessarily what they mean, and how we have to learn to interpret things and learn to right. sort of That's have a right. back and forth. Right. And I loved that when you were talking right. about that.
0: So Thanks. That's kind of the difference between children we think of as on the autism spectrum disorder and typical children. Because typical children, especially with the help of parents, who help them interpret what others are saying. This is where, you know, parents is so crucial. They will come to be able to read the subtext and understand that when Aunt Sally says, no, thank you, she really means get off my lap, <laughs> you know? So we have to help kids understand how to read the subtext so that they know how to get along in the world. So much of what we say to one another isn't exactly what we mean. Children yes. who are really good communicators will have better marriages. They'll be able to take the perspective <laughs> of others better. So it's really important that we get communication into our kids. And parents
1: are crucial in making that happen. My, my father used to say, now I realized literally on the air it was like a an aha moment. <laughs> he said it to me for not the best reason. But growing up, my father would always say to me, be interested and you'll be interesting. I now yeah. realize oh, in yeah. retrospect it's yeah. because I was talking too much and he went to tell me. <laughs> well, you know,
2: oh, yeah, oh, I, I love was, that. I, was just gonna, I love that. That is so wonderful. <laughs> we want to meet <laughs> your dad now, too. But, but, uh, one, one of the really cool studies that came out that gets at this little technology piece that you talked about um, and and, you, and about being interested. So I'm, I'm just going to give you two because I thought they were so fascinating. One was just done um, in our lab last year, and it has to do with cell phones. And we talk a lot about the kids being on devices, but guess who else is on devices? Like, we are on devices a lot.
1: Totally. And even more Yeah.
2: So, you know, I, re- uh, yeah. I actually remember last year I was at dinner with uh, two of my kids. And one is constantly, you know, pretending not to look down, but he was kind of looking down anyway <laughs> at his cell phone, but thought I wouldn't notice. And I remember finally texting him and saying, hi, mom here across the table. <laughs> but, um, but but it turns out that, like, for little, little kids, this kind of texting phenomenon really can have consequences. So in this study that we did, we uh, had, a, had a kid learning two new words that the mom was, was going to teach the young child. And in one of those words, right in the middle of it, we had the kid get a, or the mom get a cell phone call that she had to take. And the question was, across all these moms and varying the way the words came and which were interrupted and which were not, what what words did the kids learn? And it turned out that the little kids did not learn the words when mom was interrupted by a cell phone call, but they did learn the word when mom wasn't interrupted with a cell phone call. And so it's hard to look like you are interested in a child when you're looking
0: at your cell phone. And another thing about technology, as long as Kathy has raised... Oh, you raised that, Kathleen, yes. and your infinite <laughs> we raised it. Yeah. Right. So, Kathleen, we did another study where we showed that for three-year-olds, giving a kid an iPad with a story on it, even if mom is present, it's nowhere near as effective as when they read paper books together all cuddled up, and the mom follows the kid's little pointing finger and talks about what the kid is interested in. So what I have nightmares about, Kathleen, is that with this new uh, uh, e-book stories on iPads that moms will give the uh, tablet to the kid and say, Good night, Johnny.
1: Right,
0: You know, and I, I am desperate for parents to know that kids learn so much from being read to, but it's when they read to them in person. <laughs> you can't send in an iPad <laughs> to take your place. And think about what you miss out on, too, if you don't get those
2: cuddles. And well, I guess- you know, there's, yeah, I'm sorry, I was just going to add that there's one more thing, which is it's not no. always just learning about the book or learning the words. I mean, in another just incredible study with middle schoolers, they decided to look at kids pre and post when they went to camp for a week. Just going to camp for a week helped the
0: children be more sophisticated at reading emotions. And Wait, but the key studies. is they made them turn off their cell phones. They couldn't use
1: them. Right. Yeah. And That's I have- the key. And is there something to, and this could be completely off the mark and you can tell me that, like I'm crazy, but is there something to, even in the intonation, when somebody is, you're sitting with someone reading to you and you're reading their intonation and you're understanding their, you know, the way they're responding to it as opposed to Mm -hmm. sort of a monotone Mm -hmm. reading? Oh,
0: absolutely. Now, some of the apps that are coming out are hardly monotone actually they're getting better but it's still not the same thing as cuddling up with a human and being able to say you know oh isn't that like the dog nana has right you can't say that to your ipad your ipad can't have a conversation with you about how those dogs are similar or different that's right Yeah. yeah so now you know people are getting ready to send their kid back to school And that's why we think the six C's is really more important than ever, because some of them are going to go back to classrooms where, like you said when you opened up the segment, you know, kids are going to learn stuff and be expected to spit it back. And if your classroom isn't as wonderful as you would wish it to be, of course, you know, you can militate for making it accommodate the six C's more with your PTA, but you can also... Use the whole world, like Kathy said before, like the supermarket, the movie theater, you know, the pharmacy. We're not talking about having to go to London to educate your children. Right. You can help yeah. them learn the six C's every day in every way.
2: There's, a, there's an interesting an interesting fact to put in here, which is that, that 80% of a child's waking time is not in school. So one of the things we can all do as parents is not only advocate with the PTA to get more of the 60s in the schools, but also ask what we're doing with the out-of-school time. Because exactly. we, can, we can enrich it every day, everywhere, and it doesn't cost bucks to do it.
1: Um, I was actually thinking about this is another thing I loved when you were talking about um, creativity in another yeah. in a part of the book. And can creativity be taught? And you mentioned in the book, um, everyone has the potential to be creative, but not everyone fulfills that potential. I loved when you said that because there's so many different ways to be creative. It's not this limiting thing where you think, I can't draw, I can't do that. There's so many different ways to do it. Right,
0: and I think you're right that one of the myths about creativity is as soon as you mention creativity, people think, oh, I'm no Picasso. Right, You know, right. But it's not about the arts. There's a guy, Richard Florida, who wrote a book in which he said more and more occupations are requiring people to think out of the box. And we certainly want our kids to be able to do that so that they can retain the jobs of the Future. In fact, there was a whole Time magazine thing about how creativity is dead in America in 2010, and how businesses are saying that kids can't think their way out of problems by using creative strategies. So that's not good. We all want our kids to be gainfully employed. Right. (laughs) Right, and there's, you know, there's another really interesting way
2: to think about how we constrain creativity, and this came from um, a wonderful conference that Roberta and I were at in Belund, Denmark, right at Legoland, and they opened the conference by having us each pick up six different colored Lego blocks, all right, and they asked a really simple question, which is how many combinations can you make of these six blocks? You've all seen a Lego block, has eight different, we now learn they're called studs on the top. And, And when you take these different things apart and make combination after combination, how many can you get? Well, the answer is astounding. It's 981,456,127 combinations. (laughs) So, if all we're taught to do with those six Lego blocks is to make a tower, we are losing out on
1: the creative potential of tinkering. Right. And And by asking kids... Oh, I was just thinking about that, how that ties in and how you said, I didn't mean to interrupt you, how the six C's all tie together. How if someone is not instilled with the confidence to give it a shot and may just see somebody next to them doing it one way and say, oh, I guess that's how you do it, as opposed to the confidence of knowing, well, I'm going to try many other ways, and if I fail, I fail, but I'm going to give it a shot. That's how you get to those. There are many wonderful
0: teachers and wonderful schools out there that are stymied because they would like to do more with the six Cs, and they know what's good for kids, but they have to have their kids take these standardized tests. So what are the standardized tests implicitly teaching kids? It's exactly the opposite of creativity. They're teaching kids that there's only one right answer, and there's only one way to get there. So well, that's sometimes there so so is, think, Roberta. Say sometimes what? there is. Four times four, there's only one right answer. Well, not everything is like that. So we have to find ways to encourage our children to develop the creativity that might not be encouraged in school. And we can do that. There are easy ways we can do that. Like how many different ways can you arrange a bedroom, right? There is no one-fixed way. And just thinking through problems like that makes you realize how you can free up your mind and think about all kinds of fun stuff.
2: Yeah, and I, I guess what I would love to do is to, is to see, you know, parents and educators and practitioners, you know, challenge all kids by giving them a chance to be more creative. I also just want to say, at least from my perspective, that, you know, some of these tests are great. And they really help us learn about the child and they help us learn about us as teachers and where we can help children grow because they have weak or strong areas. So it's not as if we are anti-test or anti-accountability. We just think that, again, we have to broaden the model, broaden the vision of success so that we can, we can help children grow in a number of different areas and not make the assumption that it's always going to be a fill-in-the-blank world.
1: Right, that you have to, like, check the box, like, oh, we got this, we got this, yeah. we got this, we're exactly. done. And I- exactly. And in the book, you were saying about the sport, you know, you're so scheduled. Now, I am Mm. (laughs) not the most Mm. scheduled morphine. I'm the one who we missed many a practice. (laughs) We were not exactly fitting the uh, detailed schedule. But at the same time, I mean, I hope it taught them to be a little bit more, as you said, malleable and understanding that things don't always go in the direction they're supposed to. And you have to sort of figure out how to how to adjust and how to compensate right. for something that may right. not go. And f- in fact,
2: flexible thinking is one of the things that gets, you know, uh, put under that executive function, that very fancy word that's bantied around that's about, you know, attention and problem solving and flexible thinking. And it turns out that the ability to be a flexible thinker and a problem solver and to direct your attention actually relates really highly with outcomes in your reading scores
0: and your math scores and your history scores. So, so here's an example. So so imagine that you're in school and you get stuck on a math problem, and you just keep doing the same thing over and over again. That would not demonstrate good executive function skill. The kid who can say, now, wait a minute, what are they asking me in this problem, Right. I got to do it differently and who can change their strategy and be flexible is going to do better in math and will also have higher executive function skills so these these foundational skills really make a difference for how children do in the world not just in school but also in their personal relationships we all know people who are so rigid we can't stand it right (laughs) we have to Develop people who are adaptable and flexible Because for example According to the World Economic Forum We're going to lose 5 million jobs Who are we going to lose them to? Not overseas We're going to lose them to automation right. To robots and computers The six C's are the kinds of skills That computers and robots aren't so good at So we really want to help parents Help their kids for the kids' futures by making sure we get the six Cs into them, even if it isn't happening all the time in
1: school. Almost like like you were saying that you don't maybe fit the box or outside the box, like a Steve Jobs. You always hear, you know, things didn't go well, and and he was able to. I mean, beyond creative, right? What he did, but it doesn't exactly fit the standard thing. But I'm sure within the in the six Cs, I think he would. He would fit into the 60s, I think. Yeah, except I don't think he was
2: very collaborative.
1: Oh, okay. I don't think (laughs) he was a really nice guy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. But he was tremendously successful. And and I think you're you're absolutely right, and that's why not only could you make great, you know, do the great people fit into breadth of skills, but I think you'll find that pretty much everyone does. When we look at this and when I look at it, I sort of see it as a self-help, as a way of thinking of my strengths and where I want to go. And even in my college classes, I give them this grid at the beginning of the school year. Yes, I do too. And I ask them what do you want to be? Where do you want to go? And at the end of the school term, Roberta and I meet with our students again, and we say, where'd you get to? But there's a trick. And the trick is that during the school term, we have arranged our college classes so that we know we are building each of these skills and giving an opportunity to kids. If you don't have any opportunity to collaborate the classroom... Then you're not going to build collaboration. If you don't have any critical
0: thinking exercises, you're never going to build critical thinking. So, for example, I teach human development and schooling to people who are going to be teachers. And virtually every one of my classes have some kind of a group activity where they have to come up with a group answer. To a problem. So, this is really pushing them to develop critical thinking, communication, and collaboration, and also creative innovation depending upon the kind of problem. And every time they do this, they gain a little more confidence in their ability to think on their feet because there are still too many college classes that are purely lecture. And that's not necessarily the best thing for developing the 60s in our kids who are not going to be in a spit-back world.
1: I I have a question, a little off point, but listening to the kids in your class and teaching this, are there certain external factors that play into this? For example, they always say birth order. Is that something Uh, that ever plays into it?
0: So the research on birth order turns out, Um, It was thought for a long time that, like, firstborns were uh, more successful, for example, in traditional ways than laterborns, but the research has not borne out. But if you talk about, like, personality variables, like introversion or extroversion, whether you like to talk to people or you don't, surely those things are going to impact the way that you develop the six C's. Um, Each of us is different. Each of us has things that we're really proud of and things that we wish we could fix and by suggesting this grid of the six c's we can really help people think about that more concretely and we also suggest all kinds of things people can do with their kids as well as with themselves to get better in the areas that they feel they could use work in but we're all different kathleen you know we all have different personalities so some of this is going to be easier for us than
1: others you know do you Do you find one of the Cs that is is more difficult for most, for example, confidence or is there something that people struggle with more than the other?
2: Yeah, I would say I would say it is confidence at least in my college classrooms. Um, we have a whole society that has told them not to take risks right. um, in particular intellectual risks and as a result they're scared to go outside the box they're scared to have right. their own idea quite right. often they'll quote someone else but they they won't tell you what they think and then therefore won't develop the critical thinking to, to use the evidence to support their own
0: thoughts so i, I would actually say it's confidence. I would say. Yeah, I think you're onto something. I do because I think if you come from a society where there's one right answer, right. and you know we see this in our students in college, unless they feel really supported and really comfortable, which Kathy and I try to do, and I think we succeed, they're really not going to tell you what they think. They're going to tell you what they think you think.
1: <laughs> right. That's yeah. right. Because they're scared to kind of go out on the ledge. And yeah, expose right. even, themselves.
2: Even scared to, you know, they always ask, like, will that be on the test? What do you think? Yeah. I want to please you. And that right. that's not how you develop somebody who really is a thinker and has confidence. And, by the way, I would argue that it's true for physical risk as well. You know, we, we took away all the jungle gyms. And if you go to New York or you go to Latin America, they still have jungle gyms.
1: Right. I have some of my best scars from the jungle gym in Jersey City where I grew up. That's (laughs) right, that's right, that's right. But (laughs) we're such a litigious society. That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But Kathleen, you had the confidence to start something new. So you were a role model for us because you got a law degree and then you decided you wanted to do something else. And look at you now with your Morph Mom
1: show. You're, you're very kind to say that, but I struggled a lot with the. It's funny when I was looking through. Well, oh, said C's, it's easy. <laughs> it's really hard, <laughs> right? Yeah, but that but, but that means that you, you you learned from the from the struggle.
2: I mean, none of us are going to get anywhere if we don't have the persistence to plow through when it doesn't work right. or when it's difficult. And part of what the six C's and becoming brilliant is all about is helping to prepare an environment where our kids are going to want to push forward even if it's tough. They're not going to quit the team just because they're not the
1: star of the team. And I loved that when you were saying that, and I I so appreciate what you said to me, and I, in turn, think you two exemplify all of the C's and really are the most admirable inspirations for all morph moms out there. But I think... Well, you're wonderful to say that, (laughs) but we have areas in which we have to improve, too. Not (laughs) that I can see. (laughs) But I I think with the confidence, it was funny. A lot of women, when I was starting this, were yes. a little less positive than maybe I thought. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But yeah. I, yeah. that's
1: one yeah. thing. Maybe it's because it happens a lot, is things don't always go the way I think they're going to. And I just, yeah. it is what it is. But I, I'm not afraid of the failure. And I saw that was a big right. part of when you were explaining the the, C, yeah. the, the last chapter about right. confidence. Or not, right. not up, but about how that's such an important part of this, is that sort of you mm-hmm. learn from every mistake. Yes, Mm -hmm. and and we even talk about gender
0: differences in confidence. Yes. Because, uh, you know, you can see it all the time if you open up the newspaper, that uh, women are often not valued for more than their appearance. And this is very, very tough. There's even research that shows that the more attractive you are, the more you get downgraded at work. As if being attractive... And doing a good job are somehow incompatible. Nobody says that about handsome men. <laughs> so, you know, it is really true that we have to work overtime to help our daughters develop into the kinds of people that they want to be by building up their confidence. Do you know that toys are more sex typed now than they were when we were little, Kathleen? Really? Yeah. They're more sex type now, and you know kids are really influenced by the by media. And yeah. by the time they get to be about two years old, they request toys that go with their gender, which is really unfortunate because we want all our kids to develop all the skills that they have. We don't want right. them to develop skills along so gender stereotyped lines. Right. So for your morph moms out there who develop toys, we need
2: persistent penny. <laughs> okay,
1: yeah. for those listening you heard it here <laughs> <More fun. laughs>
2: get on this I right now teach girls
1: confidence i love it it is good right that we do need that we need a morph mom doll too
2: i think to, to <laughs> there you go morph it's, mom doll that's doll. Right. That we do
1: and and it's funny so, when you were saying the six c's you know in teaching success to raising successful children It's funny. It's like it could be my mantra, but I won't copy it. (laughs) I won't steal it. But for for women as well and for this whole Morph Mom movement where it's collaboration, communication, content, critical thinking, creative innovation, confidence, we need this every single day in everything we do. It's just – it goes so beyond this.
2: You know, You're one of the things when we right. were when we were writing this was, as I said, it came from speaking with uh, friends who were in the business community. And honestly, you can look at this grid of the six C's and the levels on each C, and you can ask what it's like in your office. And and it can be really a kind of self help metric, as well as well as a way of thinking about raising success. You can kids. you can so
0: do the six C's on your boss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. but that could so not, be problematic. <laughs> so it's, it's not just a
2: parenting book. I think it's it's so that's much more. I so
0: agree. That's the point. Yeah, it's for so all of us. A, There's a woman who is at Stony Brook, the University of Stony Brook, who talks about virtual... Distance. She talks about how, you know, there are more and more people working at home and not in offices, yes. and more and more people collaborating with people overseas, and, you know, again, countries we can hardly find on a map. And this concept of virtual distance, people are doing research on it and showing that you feel less connected, you feel less part of a community, less perspective taking goes on when you operate in a virtual distance way and you're far away from the people you work with. So that really means we have to even work harder to develop collaboration and communication at a high level so we don't come to feel alienated from our own work. So, Roberta, Roberta, I wanted to see if I could butt in here just for a
2: moment more color commentary, which is, (laughs) wow, we're thinking about connection. Um, I think it's great to, one, make some time to have lunch with real friends, not virtual ones. But in the virtual world, uh, I just wanted to invite your listeners to join in our conversations at Kathy and Row 1, which is our Twitter feed. and. We are constantly putting out interesting constantly. stuff that we find <clears throat> um, on Twitter. We're writing blogs for the Huffington Post and the Brookings Institution, and people can join us there if they like. And, of course, invite everybody to go to becomingb-brilliant.com where they can see a little bit about the book.
1: And and where is the best? You can go online to buy the book as well? Or how would they go back? Yeah, there? you can sure. also
0: get it at sure. Amazon.
1: Okay. Amazon, you
0: know. and uh, it's published by the American Psychological Association, and I've been told that they don't charge shipping. So that's <laughs> pretty nice. And I think uh, APA is available on the web that way, and the book can be ordered that way too. So you can, both, been, you can get both on becoming-brilliant.com. Right. Okay. And um, if people are interested in... What we had to say tonight, we also did a podcast for the Brookings Institution where we talked about becoming brilliant. So if there's, like any of those morph moms out there who've been enjoying this and want more or want to tell their friends about this, the Brookings podcast could be useful to you
1: on Becoming brilliant. That's right. Um, I can't believe our time is up. Um, it has been an absolute oh, no. honor. I know we well, have to come back. You don't have a choice. I mean, we need to d- go into all of these c- the sixties again. Um, oh my god, we would love it. Yes, please <laughs> teach me. Um, I would like to become brilliant, so I need you to come back. Um, <laughs> oh, you already are. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but for those of you listening tonight, once again, my amazing. I'm so thankful and and. Grateful to have my amazing guests tonight, Roberta Gonkoff and Kathy hirsch Pasik, the co-authors of Becoming Brilliant, What Science Tells Us About Raising Successful Children. And as I mentioned before, run, do not walk to get this, because it's not just about your kids. It's for you. It's for everyone you come across every day. And it's really food for thought. When I was reading this, I just I, I had to keep putting it down and thinking, wait, how did I do that? What did I do? It wow. really Can should I be marry you? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> it should be next to your bed at all times <laughs> as like a reference guide, <laughs> all the time. Um, but and for those of you just chiming in, if you missed any of this or you need you'd like to hear it again, which I'm sure you would, we this will be up on an iTunes podcast tomorrow. Oh, oh cool. that's wonderful. On Morph Mom Moments. Um, under Great. Becoming Brilliant, because there's just so much that you guys shared with us tonight. It's not enough for this. It has to be out there permanently that we can all have access to it. And again, those listening, go buy the book, go to their podcast, go to their website, go to art, go to the morphmom.com um, to find out more about our amazing women, how to get to the podcast. And um, I can't thank you enough. And uh, well, for those. Thank
0: you, Kathleen. We're already in love. <laughs> I know. I, I, I want to marry you. And we definitely want to come back on when it's convenient for you.
1: It's yeah, always we're convenient. We're both moms. We're uh, moms. Definitely. You're always welcome. And for those of you out there, I'll see you next week. Good night. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye. Uh, are you.
0: This is Trent Armand, Kendall and Richard E. Waits with the Broadway Download every Wednesday 5 to 5.55pm Bridging the Gap Between Broadway and Mainstream Entertainment Tune in for Music Industry Talk and Hot Topics Hello out there This is a PSA for City World Radio Network On Monday we have at 6 o'clock Keeping It Real with Jazzy Joy and Company at 7 o'clock we have AC Low Show or Bill Russo Show. At 8 o'clock we have Johnny Man Lynn, and he is the president of City World Radio Network. and not